0: Our goal and mission is to offer services and support to indie game developers to really unlock the full potential of their product and grow them as much as possible on the market. And the IDB insight is to help them, give them the tool or weapons to be able to fight on the market against the bigger publishers mm-hmm. that have a, a lot of firepower already.
1: Why do some companies succeed in driving growth while others fail? How do some individuals advance in their careers to lead teams that change industries? In the age of mobile, these are the stories of the companies shaping the way we interact with our world and the people who drive their growth. Hello, everyone. We are happy to have our next guest, Jean-Sébastien Laverge. He has spent the last six years working on Tilting Point, where he currently oversees more than 40 game titles as the Chief Growth Officer. Prior to the tilting point, Jean-Sébastien worked at Gameloft for over 12 years, where he helped generate significant annual revenues by developing retention and monetization strategies. With almost two decades of experience in gaming industry, Jean-Sébastien has developed his expertise in live operations, growth, and in-game marketing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much, Maida. Very excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: So, you know, you are, um, it's just right after the holiday. We're in 2022. How are you feeling? How was your holiday? How are you feeling about the pandemic?
0: So I feel great. The holiday was fine. I actually went to Argentina. I did travel, managed to travel. My wife is from Argentina. So we did some uh, family visits and some tourism over there. And that was uh, refreshing. And coming back from the holiday, it's always a good thing. Like I love the Christmas period. So I've been in gaming for a long time, as you've heard. And Christmas is really the moment of the of the year things turn around. So we've been struggling. Like oh, it's not growing. Like CPM are too no. high and everything for three months. And you come back and you or you check the data and you see like us. It was December twenty third. Like everything going up. Uh, so it's very exciting and uh, it's a good feeling to come back because you feel you're on a good trend to start the year. That's great. To that, the what I feel is like now we are in the middle of the Omicron wave and just trying to go around it and uh, get ready for even more months in this uh, situation.
1: How has, you know, you have been in gaming throughout this whole pandemic and I think, how do you think COVID affected gaming in general?
0: Yeah. I'll start by me because I like to speak about me. It affected me already no. because I actually decided uh, to go full remote. So I'm, w- I'm working full remote now uh, from until I decided to change that. But that's uh, one of the great things our company decided to adapt to after uh, six months or 12 months of the pandemic and work from home is to pre- propose and offer full remote system or work for people even after the pandemic will be over. And that's, we did that in response or in, in, in following or actually as leading in the market, in the gaming market, the other companies where we are starting to see a lot of companies proposing these f- fully remote options for people working in our industry. We've been at Tilting Point, we actually saw a good impact, like a lot of gaming companies from the pandemic in terms of business. But also in terms of operation, I think it helped us a lot on our operation and day-to-day mm-hmm. to, to improve our communication flows across continents. So we have offices in multiple continents, and so it leveled out the, com- yeah. the communication across the offices, and it made things a bit uh, easier and flawless to manage mm-hmm. in terms of operation. But it's been almost two years, so it's uh, it's some things are harder to do without people around or to see people face to face right
1: i agree i definitely branch as i think 13 14 offices so we definitely felt that i think before there used to be this people in different offices felt like oh it's so hard to be remote but now it's leveling the playing field is a good way yeah
0: is it good thing and by thing i don't know (laughs) right it has pros and cons right so now we are I'll say since the pandemic started, like we skipped on hiring people, and I'll say half of the new hire in my team they 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 were hired fully fully remote already. Yeah, that's great to find new talent and to to ease the market, but the search it's also tougher in terms of retention of talent.
1: Because yeah, I agree. It <laughs> yeah. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> the great resignation, right? Yes, yeah. it's really interesting. So tell me a bit about. Tilting Point, the type of games you guys do, how long you've been around. Tell me the story of the company. So,
0: so, Tilting Point's been around for nine years now. They started, they were bootstrapped and started as a mobile gaming publisher when at the time there was no concept of mobile gaming publisher in 2012. And has been through different business models. They started as a premium game publisher, then shifted to the freemium model in 2014. More as a classic publisher, and we I joined the company in 2015 along with our co-CEO and president Samir Agili. And when we joined, we after a couple of years, like we, we things started to shift or we shifted things around and we built a new model that we call progressive publishing to really help our mission. So Tilting Point is a free-to-play gaming publisher that works with independent game developers to help them scale up their games and change their life. So our our goal and mission is really to try to offer services and support to indie game developers to really unlock the full potential of their product and grow them as much as possible on the market. And the, the IDB insight is to help them, give them the tool or weapons to be able to fight on the market against the bigger publishers mm. that have a, a lot of firepower already. And so, we to do that, we build a system that we call progressive publishing, that you can visualize as a big funnel, where we're going to get games from indie game developers that un- come to us into our funnel. We're going to start to work with them as uh, in our live publishing phase, where we're going to mainly work on the growth of their games and try to grow their games. And when we are successful with them and we, we prove a successful partnership, we are going to try to make them evolve through the funnel into different phase, which could be either acquisition where the we're going to acquire the game or the studio, or we are going to do other project with the developers that we call co-development, where we're going to take the engine that we first scale together and put one or multiple IPs on top of it to make bigger games. So, as a result, for example, as a co development project, you have a SpongeBob Krusty Kukov. That's one of the games we're working on. Games we acquired was a uh, Star Trek timeline. And we are now, as you said, a portfolio of about uh, 40 games that we are actively working on uh,
1: today. That's awesome. I was looking on your website earlier and I saw the Star Trek timeline. And I'm like, I have to try this one. I love playing mobile games. And I'm like a huge Star Trek fan, so I'm like okay. very excited to try it out. Did
0: you hear about this game before? If not, that no, I haven't heard about it. We didn't do a good job.
1: <laughs> I don't. I play very. I'm very addicted to mobile games, so I try to not. I don't try a lot of new games. I play like threes. I I spent a lot of money at some point in my life on mobile games because I like, mm-hmm. I have addictive personality, so I don't actually explore new games. So I don't think because of the really risk explore, like because of the risk because I get so sucked in. But I'm going to try it out. I yeah. think it looks fun. How do you think about, you know, you're just sharing, like, I haven't heard about this game. Maybe if I had, maybe I would have tried it. How do you think about discovery and user acquisition uh, and growth in general? We haven't actually had as many people in gaming on this podcast. So it'd be very uh-huh. interesting to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Things
0: evolve, right? So what I'm going to explain today or what we think about growth today might be different from a year from now and was different a year ago already. That's, that's the, okay. Yeah. Uh, The way uh, we think about growth and we approach growth is really through three axes. So we have paid growth, which is what we call user acquisition or whatever is paid media. We have organic growth, which is going to be everything about optimization platform, uh, distribution platform optimizations, IP integration, marketing buzz. And then we have monetization growth, which is working a bit closer to the product around improving how to improve the LTV of the mm. users through tools or mechanisms that can work across game and across genre, right? So we have three axes of growth, paid growth, organic growth, and monetization growth. And what I'm trying, and we actually build a team the team like that now. So we, <coughs> we have uh, three different departments like for each growth department. <laughs> and the idea behind this, the way the teams are working together is that each of the growth segments Impact each other. So, if you manage to improve the LTV through gross monetization, you can usually do more UA uh, and scale up the game. So, you're going to have bigger paid growth. You're going to also sign more signals to the store that are going to impact the organics and the visibility of the game on the store. So, you're going to have impact uh, like gross organic growth. Also, similarly, if you manage to do good big actions on the organic side of things. You're usually going to enable more paid growth, but you're going to most likely mm. decla- decrease the LTV of the, of the users you're bringing. So the overall LTV might drop. It. And same thing on US that impacts the two others. So the, the big concept is you, you need the three axes to work together to have a bigger impact and all contribute to the growth of the game. And so the three growth functions really are pushing the growth of the games and product in general. And if you manage to synchronize them properly, you're going to have a bigger impact and a better growth of the product.
1: And what are some of the best channels for paid? And also, like, how do you think about, you know, you've mentioned some on the organic side, but let's start with paid. What do you think are uh, these days? Is it still Facebook? Uh, Has it evolved?
0: There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of debate. Depends on the product. Like that's one thing I learned. It's, it, the answer is always it depends. So it depends on the product and the state. In general, for us, Facebook is still our biggest channel. That has not changed. We actually have seen after iOS 14.5 mm-hmm. that it was a bit dependent on the product. But if you manage to adapt yourself to the new ecosystem and everything, Facebook is still there, right? It's still a very yeah. big powerhouse to get good users. So Facebook, Google, we are seeing a big growth of uh, Apple search across the market. And then you have like the standard SDK uh, video networks. So it's going to be the iron source, fun uh, goals and things like that. And then the uh, DSP. So here DSP, it's really dependent on, we have our success, it depends on the time. So right now our main partner is Moloco, but there's, uh, it fluctuates over time.
1: How about like user to user? Is that part of your strategy at all? Or it's it's not something that you guys think of as much?
0: Right now it's not part of our strategy. It's something we are planning to explore more this year.
1: Got it. Cool. Yeah,
0: the difficulty is coming from our model, which is working with independent game developers. So you need to it's a bit more challenging to implement solution inside the game as we are not controlling the game. That's the developer that is working. That is working on the game. We are just here to provide them tools and options that, uh, and convince them of what they should be doing to grow their games.
1: Got it. That makes sense. What got you into gaming? You know, you've had such a long career into gaming. You've grown a lot. You've worked. How did you get into growth and first into growth and then into gaming? I guess two separate Uh, questions.
0: Right. So actually, I went into. I started into growth that was not called gross I was doing like uh, I was trying to do Java games and WAP games advertising so actually at the time we were doing uh, if you want to know that that existed we are doing print advertising in a video game magazine with a SMS code where you could send an SMS to receive a link to download your game and you were paying through the SMS system so that's very old way of doing paid <laughs> That's evolved over time. So, at my time at Gameloft, I actually did a great chance to do a lot of different jobs. And then I moved more into in game marketing through uh, when we switch it to freemium, mod, uh, freemium model. And that's actually, I was doing mostly in game CRM, player journeys, and things like that. And that's the reason why I joined Tilting Point. But as uh, when we joined, I joined Tilting Point, I joined a smaller entities where you are Doing more stuff and you try to adapt yourself to the need of the company a bit more. And that's at the time we have nobody like the last gross person left, so there was nobody left. So just you have some experience to do that, like try it, and we see if it works. And that's how I, I, I started to do it again there. And actually, it grew pr- pretty well. Like we managed to do a, to build a good service. I think today that is been growing and still growing. So that's good. And what got me into gaming? So it's by chance. Like I'm not gonna lie, the I'm a big gamer. So that's a good uh, good thing. Is that I need? I started on NES and like some MOS five computer, like at the end of the eighties, which says how old I. But I played all my life a lot. And so at the end of my business school, I need to do an internship, a last internship to go to, to validate yeah. my uh, master. And there was a company in Paris called Gameloft uh, that yeah, you know, had an uh, internship open. So I just started there and they offered me a job. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to continue there. I was not planning to stay for twelve years, but that's the company was very uh, successful in retaining. But that's actually through Game love that I moved to the US to New York in 2007. So it's been uh, fifteen years. Wow. And then when I was in New York, I wanted to uh, when I started to look around to switch to another company. I want I, I was looking more for uh, to stay on the publisher side of things, so uh, a way to keep working on multiple products, multiple genres at the same time. To have a big, better market vision, and it was more interesting to, rather than to, uh, to really focus on just one game. And I wanted to join a smaller entity, uh, so I joined Twenty Two Point. There was about thirteen people when I joined, so that was very small.
1: That wow! Was, uh, How big is it now?
0: It's more than two hundred people
1: now. So, wow! So,
0: yeah, it's not the same thing.
1: <laughs> and you guys also just raised around, right? Congrats
0: yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. We raised the uh, 235 million
1: in uh, wow. back in July. Amazing.
0: So, so it's, it's been a good achievement. Yeah.
1: What are some of the plans for the next few years? Where are you guys going?
0: So, the next few years like we are starting to uh, we are doubling down our efforts so on the gross monetization side of things, like where we are uh, trying to develop these tools or products to improve LTV across game genre. We are going to also Start to focus a bit more on uh, cross-platform growth. Right now, we were really more into like just mostly Android and, and iOS, and uh, we are going to start to also build our growth offering for uh, blockchain-based games or so games offering NFT solutions and things like that.
1: Wow, awesome! So you know, you've had some, you've had an awesome career. You've worked with bigger companies, smaller companies. What are some favorite campaigns that you ran? Let's start with one that you know drove a lot of growth.
0: Actually the one great campaign I remember was when we started to test one of our games so uh, still at certain points like at the entrance of the funnel we yeah. test the games to see if their scores potential and how, they grow, how good they are going to grow and so it was a, a few years ago we started uh, we tested a game called Terra Genesis and so we we launched the campaign on Friday night and Saturday morning like we get uh, we are exchanging emails like oh we spent 200 bucks but we already made 1000 back it's like so it's amazing let's uh, get this game and get get running so we then we signed the contract and we took the game and like ported it to another platform and it it, it grew a lot uh, over the past four or five years so that was a, a great great success to talk about if I go back in time and other outside growth Good success was the uh, introduction of promotional solutions in free to play games. That uh, the first time we did that on uh, games with uh, called Ice Age Village at Gameloft. So that's very old too. Uh, but like we did the first promotion and like the revenue just like doubled. And wow. uh, it was uh, great. Yeah.
1: How about reengagement? You know, you've said you've worked in CRM mm-hmm. and you've thought about the player yeah. journey. <laughs> what are some tactics you've used to reengage and bring people back into the game?
0: Yeah. The, um, yeah, it's a complicated subject, re engagement. So, there's yeah. a like again, it depends on the games, the size of the games, and everything. If I looked at what we're doing today, it's a bit more basic That I think what could be done, but it's really it's more about re engagement through offers, like a specific offer when you come back to the game and advertising the offers, like communicating back to the players what's inside the game to engage them to, to come back, right? So the communication can be done through a, a push notification or emails or through advertising or back into advertising. So depending on the game size, I will say, sometimes we do the three, sometimes we do just a bit of advertising for an offer, and sometimes we just do the push notification.
1: Cool. What advice do you have for people who are both looking at, you know, getting into gaming? Let's start with that, and then, yeah,
0: getting into gaming. You need my first advice is you need to be passionate and like gaming because it's not uh, a typical industry, and I believe that. And um, so, like it, from what I've seen, people that tend to stay in the industry are people that are really gamer and passionate like that likes to play and like those products right so first and foremost if you like this type of you need to like this type of products and then nowadays i would say that gaming is very data driven so it's uh, you need to be analytical and you need to like numbers or understanding like have a good understanding of uh, statistics to come in and uh, make a good career right there's even on the creative team, we are working with them to try to show them the numbers, like what's a CTR, what's the conversion rate, and understanding the impact they're having on their creative through the, like, through the player journey and the, uh, the, impact, like, the impact of each creative for them to understand what works, what doesn't, and everything. But So even then, there's data involved that helps you refine, tweak, and improve the product or whatever you're doing in your day-to-day activities. Play, games,
1: Play like games, games and be data-driven.
0: and yeah, yeah, yeah. be data-driven, yes. That's
1: it. <laughs> How about a leader? You know, you've been a leader of different companies. You're now the chief growth officer. Mm-hmm. What are some, you know, what does it take to uh, not just get into, into gaming, but become like an actual leader of a growth team? The, I, was, I was thinking, wow, it's going <laughs> to be the same answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> definitely that.
0: Like, I speak to, from what I've seen is, I think it applies to every leader, but like, I think transparency helps, at least for, that depends on your management style, but uh, transparency helps finding, uh, good talent to help you and support you helps a lot. And I'd say, like, make sure your peop- your team and that you're working with that, that they are happy and they are like thriving and that's what they are. They are, they like what they're doing. Uh, and that should be, that should work.
1: I like that. Any, any tips for how to keep a team happy? What does, I feel like when I ask this, everyone has their own, but I feel like I learned something from every different person. So yes. What are some uh, things you've done recently to keep your team? My team
0: happy. I'm trying to surface and celebrate a lot of the wins, even mm. more than before. Like starting to, to do that even more on a weekly basis, like everything that is a, a good win or even a fail, actually. To yeah. share the fail and share the knowledge helps a lot the team to understand what's happening. And uh, and actually, that's when we... Celebrating the win helps you celebrate in general as a team and to
1: yeah. so the team together and make them a bit happier. I love that. It's such a good one. Yeah. Well, this was incredibly awesome. I loved getting to know you. We usually end with this, like, a lightning round with three questions. Yeah. <laughs> so they're a little bit... Uh, out there but i think they'll get us to get to know you better so the first question is if you had to delete all the apps on your phone and only keep one what would you keep
0: right now it's still gonna be clash royale unfortunately after five years
1: i have uh i i played that game for a while
0: yeah. Yeah. i managed to stop and then my friends got me back in and so now it's really about it's a friend pressure see
1: i have a game like that it's called mushroom wars that's Uh, my my nemesis (laughs) (laughs) i can't get rid of mushroom (laughs) wars. okay if you could have an app that talked to one animal and one animal alone what would it be from my
0: heart that would be cats Uh, i love cats i don't have a cat but i wish i had cats from a practical standpoint i'm gonna give two answers snakes because I live in uh, Florida, in, wow. in close to swamps, and there are a few snakes farms. And if I could talk to them out of my in my house, that would be nice.
1: This is episode number sixty-five or something, and you are the first person who has said snakes. Very yeah, okay. original. <laughs> and then, what's one unlikely app on your phone? Something that maybe people who know you would be surprised to see.
0: I don't. I don't know if they would be surprised, but I have an app called Skyview. I got a telescope since I moved down to Florida. And so now I'm starting to observe the stars and the planets. And this app helps a lot.
1: Cool. That's awesome. I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah. Well, Jean-Sébastien, thank you so much for being with us today, sharing some of your stories and your growth and advice. It was really awesome to learn from you.
0: Sure. Thank you very much for having me. And i uh, to meet you.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show... Please leave a review wherever you listen to this and share with someone trying to grow their career. Until next time, keep growing.